Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Hard Hitting Sports Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Lauby, and as always, joined by my co-host, Jack Bradley. Here we are, episode 40. Jack, how are you doing, my friend? Doing great. Special, special night. It is uh, January 25th, 2022, 8-17 here on the East Coast, and David Ortiz, David Ortiz, David Ortiz is a first ballot baseball hall of famer i'm excited to hear that disappointed in the results of the bonds uh obviously showing we knew he wasn't getting in and clemens uh all not getting in but my joy for david ortiz i don't know if i've ever been happier for an individual athlete in my life more than i am right now so i'm happy about that um gonna be a good episode today uh we had probably one of the best all-around weekends of football we've had in quite ever. some time ever. yeah maybe ever maybe ever um i will say the saturday games were a little disappointing they were good three-point games but um fourth quarters were interesting uh i think across the board saturday or sunday games were a little bit more entertaining especially with the best for last bills chiefs um so we'll get to it but uh jordan question for you um wild card weekend as a whole is there anything i know we, we haven't recorded in two weeks anything you want to take away from wild card weekend before um we move on i know most of those games were blowouts um but any teams you want to talk about that got eliminated or anything along those lines uh, besides my own cardinals and your own patriots just <sighs> rough the two worst games uh, very rough the, the only good part of wildcard weekend was that the shamrocks are national champions that's what I was going to, oh, you stole my transition. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Defeated the Brooklyn Seminoles 21 to 20. We were down 20 to seven and a half. They were hooting hollering, waving to our fans as they walked off the field at halftime, came out. They were completely flat. We had the energy, came back and won the game. In the last four minutes, there were four turnovers total between both teams, and we were still able to hold them up on defense. Uh, got a game-winning pick, not me, but our defense got a game-winning pick to seal the game, and that was that. So, great season, 14-1 and one overall, number one ranked in the nation for AAA football. Just unreal. Crazy to th- say I'm a national champion. That's awesome, uh, man. I, I, I know you obviously let me know when it happened. Um, that's crazy, especially you said the other team didn't have a kicker. Uh, yes, and we, as we all know, we saw it. We saw it this divisional weekend. It definitely did come down to special teams. You talk about turnovers at the end. We saw that in another game. Came down to a few close turnovers at the end in that Rams game. But um, congratulations on that. I know you've been working hard for it. Uh, Anyone in the Massachusetts area, I did get to go to one Shamrocks game. Hoping to go again next year. It was fun. Uh, Get your friends relatively cheap tickets, military discounts uh, at (laughs) realestateeberhomes.com. Yeah, no, wild card weekend obviously went to Buffalo, got COVID in Buffalo, I'm pretty sure. So that was fun. Um, Bills fans are pieces of shit. I don't care if you're, if you're a Bills fan and you listen to this podcast, I don't like you. I don't give a shit. Oh Most people God. are assholes. I didn't say a word to anybody. I knew better to keep my mouth shut. I mean, I talked to the Pats fans, especially walking in pregame. Uh, you know, you see a Patriots fan, you're wearing a Patriots jersey, you're going to go up to them and say, let's go Pats. Uh, obviously, the Patriots came out flat came out probably their worst game of the year by far um and it was disappointing but bills fans i mean you would have thought they won the super bowl like actually i mean i had people coming up to me 
saying unimaginable things. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb and say Bills fans are my top five worst fans in all of sports. And I know the rest of America loves Bills Mafia. I know everybody was rooting for the Bills against the Chiefs the other night. Everyone loves Josh Allen. They can go fuck themselves. I am so happy that they lost. I am in this small percentage of Americans that were rooting for the Buffalo Bills to lose on Sunday night. And I was very happy that they did. But I am actually shocked because this is the first negative thing I've ever heard about Bills fans in my life. <laughs> it's The thing is, I knew what I was getting myself into going into it. I've been to a game in Buffalo before. Um, but the, the thing is, is like, you know, we're down. I mean, your team is like the Bills were significantly better than the Patriots. The better team won that football game. I know the Patriots went in there earlier, beat them. For the amount of shit talking that you do to fans when your team is significantly better than them is just crazy. It's just crazy. When Pats fans used to, when, when the Pats used to beat on the Bills, if I ever saw a Bills fan at Buffalo or in uh, New England at Foxborough, I felt bad for them. I felt bad for them. Not anymore. Not anymore. If the Patriots ever get back to the way they were in and top of the division and the Bills are at the bottom, I will never feel bad for a Bills fan again. Those people are terrible terrible people and i i don't want i mean the guy sitting behind me awful guy terrible guy kept touching me i at one point we did have to tell him to pipe down and his buddy was scared we were going to call the cops on him mm-hmm. um i mean even the sheriff the sheriff came up to me and was like i don't want to see you causing problems here i didn't say a word to anybody so these bills fans i'll never go back to buffalo whether it's for a patriots game whatever it is they have this fucking super bowl there Never going back there. Terrible group of individual people, awful people, and I couldn't be happier that they lost. Interesting. So, well, I, I guess that's just a lot of pent up emotion carrying over from last week to this week, bud. And any and anyone that wants to call me a sore loser, I like I said, I did not say a word to anybody out there. We went in there with the intention of this would be an upset if the Patriots won. Uh, my high, my hopes were a little bit higher than others, so. Um, yeah, that's my takeaway from wildcard weekend. Also Cowboys lost. So you can't complain about that either from wildcard <laughs> weekend. Uh, Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott show why they cannot win in the playoffs. It's so I, there's a lot about that game that was just overall just not good, but that, yeah. that for that call that killed the, the rest QB of the clock, draw. the yeah. QB draw. I, I personally agree with it because they came out in something we call wide nine set where the defensive ends are really wide and they leave the middle two a gaps wide open. They only had one linebacker and everyone was deep. So X's and O's wise, that's the play you call there. If that gets down five yards earlier, they spike the ball. And also if they give the ball to the fucking ref, that ball gets spotted faster and they spike the ball and then they could take another shot. So I actually agree with the play call, but the execution was terrible. And you can say all you want, like, oh, they were hitting the sidelines. They like they should have kept doing that. Like, once you get to a certain part of the field, the sidelines don't work anymore. Like when you get in, like at that point, if they're throwing to the sideline again, it's at like the 30 or 20 yard line. Defenses are setting up to defend that. So maybe they hit one more of those, but then anything going into the end zone towards the sideline isn't going to work because that's where the defense is going to pressure to keep you away from the pylon. So... Like, you, they could have done it one more time, but they just hit it three times in a row, and San Fran most likely adjusted to it, which is why that middle was wide open as much as it was. But, again, execution. And that's just – I just experienced that. That comes back to coaching and practice. Like, hey, like, 
you need to get down at this moment. And look, if, and if Dak didn't want to listen to coaches and think he could get more yards and shame on Dak, but overall, that's just a dumb execution of the play. It's a good call, personally, I think, and I know a lot of people disagree with me, but X's and O's, that's the play you run in that situation. So. Yeah, I think the team, the thing is, I don't know if everyone is on the same page there, uh, wow. knowing that they were running the play, because obviously they, they were able to, I guess, get set up if they had three extra, two or three extra seconds, maybe even one extra second, they would have gotten it off. I, I agree with you. Dak should have probably just ran 10 yards because either way, it's a shot at the end zone. Your next mm-hmm. play is a shot at the end zone, regardless of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 49ers were given a lot of chances to get back in that game or excuse me. 49ers gave the Cowboys a lot of chances to get back in that game. Cowboys took advantage of one of them, but ultimately couldn't pull it out at the end. So, um, yeah, yeah, tough loss for them. Uh, Yeah, but that was really only – I mean, I I caught some of the Bengals games on my way to uh, the Bills-Pats game. So, I know the Bengals and and Raiders game, that inadvertent whistle was kind of a big deal. But And I did see that, but – It it was so close. Like, when the whistle's blowing, the ball isn't about to hit boy tent. Yeah. Yeah. So otherwise, nothing really. I don't think there's any major takeaways from Wild Card Weekend. Uh, no coaches no. really fired. It doesn't look like the Raiders are going to hold on to Passaccia. No. Gerard uh, Mayo is interviewing for that job. There's probably mm-hmm. other guys out there. So looks like Harbaugh also might be in line for Harbaugh. that job as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. As as a salty Cardinals fan, I've been reflecting over the past like week. Um, I was very adamant saying that the Cardinals should fire Cliff Kingsbury. Yes. I'm still standing by that. I, I know two or three episodes ago, maybe even one episode ago, I said if they lose, they should still keep Cliff. Like he's done a good job. That game was the epitome of Cliff just being an awful play caller game manager in certain situations. He's, I don't know why we weren't designing more plays for Kyler because when we beat the Rams the first time, Kyler used his legs a lot. And I know a lot of them weren't designed runs but he was not servicing himself at all. They were, the ends were screaming upfield and Donald was getting pressure in the middle. That's a perfect time for someone like Kyler to scramble and get away. And Kyler just looked scared. Like he didn't trust the play calling and the scheme that was set up in place. And granted they went, what they were 10 and two. They went on a one and four slide at the end of the year, one and five. So to me, that's, it was just, just a not confident Cardinals team rolling into SoFi stadium and just getting abused by the Rams and all props to the Rams. They really turned, you know, I'm not going to say they turned stuff around, but from that first game we played to the second game we played kind of being neck and neck, but they got the edge on us in the end to absolutely embarrassing us. They flipped their season around with how they played their game against us. So props to the Rams. Um, I I think Cliff has got to go. I I hope fans Joseph gets a head coaching job somewhere because I think he's got to go more than anyone. We have two first-round linebackers on our roster, and he barely used them towards the end of the season. He had a four-linebacker rotation with Jordan Hicks, who's 29, getting the majority of snaps. When you have two 23-year-old middle linebackers, like that makes no sense to me, Um, especially someone as dynamic as Isaiah Simmons, which, again, I don't think he's a linebacker, but for whatever reason, we're playing him there. Um, But it's – uh, both of them got to go. And if Cliff doesn't go, we better hire an OC that can actually do play calling and Cliff can just be a coach instead of trying to run the entire offense. Yeah. I I think I said it last time when I uh, changed from Cardinals to Rams. I mean, I knew I was taking the Rams the whole time. They were my preseason Super Bowl pick. But uh, 
like I said, Pats and Cardinals, very similar seasons. Both had seven game winning streaks. Both at one point were the one seed and probably were the favorite or the talked about favorite to win their conference and get to the Super Bowl. Differences, I think the Cardinals have a little bit higher expectations because of how close they came last year, how developed their team was. The D Hop to Kyler connection was going to be real. Obviously, the D Hop injuries didn't help. That defense had grown, had gotten better. They added James Conner, who showed he was probably one of the better offseason signings. Um, kind of similar to the Patriots on defense, signing Matt Judon, signing Kendrick Bourne, signing Nelson Aguilar, guys like Hunter Henry help out their offense. Biggest difference there, though, is that the Patriots, I don't think as many people were expecting it, and they have a rookie yeah. quarterback. Or this is, was Kyler's third year. Third year is a big year, I feel like, for quarterbacks. I mean, we see Burrow doing it in his second year getting the Josh AFC. Josh Allen, third year. Josh Allen I'm last year, third year, got into the AFC championship game. So Mahomes, third year, won a Super Bowl. Yeah, and fourth year now, or fifth, fifth year. Yeah, fifth, fifth year. Fifth year, but fourth year starting. I mean, he's in his mm-hmm. third straight, fourth straight. And AFC championship hosting yep. first team ever to host uh, four straight AFC championship games. So crazy. Be an interesting off season for those teams for sure. But uh, yeah. I think, Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say the Cardinal. Well, one, you called it last, uh, last episode. You said the Cardinals and Patriots season will end on the same week. <laughs> so good prediction there. Um, also the Cardinals have a lot, a lot of our key players are free agents, Zach Ertz, Max Williams, James Connor. Chase Edmonds, Chandler Jones, Robert Alford, I believe Marcus Golden, but I could be wrong about that. Um, a lot of key guys on our offense and defense are going to be free agents. And that's, and not only that, but we got to figure out what the hell we're doing with the interior part of our line. Like Rodney Hudson was okay. And DJ Humphreys took a step back this year, but both guard positions and right tackle besides Kelvin Beecham when he was healthy, those three positions are terrible right now. Max Garcia yeah. got annihilated by Aaron Donald all night. Um, Justin Pugh is too old. Um, Josh Jones is not developed at all as an offensive lineman in this league. So those three positions are, I would say, are up for grabs in the offseason. And we got to figure out what we're doing about it. You know, we, we, we don't have a high draft pick. So a lot of those really good offensive linemen like Evan Neal, Tyler Lindenbaum, those guys are going to be gone by the time our first draft pick rolls around. And even that we're going to have to deal with our free agents leaving. So it's, it's going to be a very important off season for the Cardinals. I honestly would not be shocked if we miss playoffs next year, just because we're losing so many key pieces and we already don't have depth to begin with, which is why we struggled in that game. But you know, it's, that's the Cardinals, man. Steve, Steve Kine makes Good draft picks once in a while, but we we've had awful luck with our draft picks and our free agents until recently. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, let's not take anything away from this great weekend of football that we just saw. I'm very happy that we're recording this week and we didn't record after last week. Yeah, we, I feel like God. we don't have much to talk about. So um, I guess let's just, I guess, go get started with games in order of how they happen. So Bengals at Titans, the return of Derrick Henry, mm-hmm. uh, a pretty, I want to say boring game, but started with an interception, basically finished with an interception, a game-winning field goal from Tannehill. Uh, from McPherson, you mean? Well, the interception from Tannehill. Tannehill, that led to the field goal. Yeah, that yeah, led yeah. to the field okay. goal by Evan McPherson. Ice in his veins, too. Apparently said to Burrow, we're going to the AFC championship game yeah. before he picked that. So Joe Burrow was – so McPherson was taking his last warm-up swing, and he was running by Brandon Allen. And as he's running by Brandon Allen, Joe Burrow's coming off the field, and he overheard him say to Brandon Allen, he's like, well, 
looks like we're going to the AFC Championship and then fucking drills it. It's absolutely that's awesome. Four, and four of four on the day, too. A lot of people forget what he did. I think he hit a 50 yarder earlier in the game as a rookie. Yarder as a rookie. This is like uh, Justin Tucker esque like performance we're seeing from this kid. Yeah. Bengals uh, tweeted out this is why you draft kickers. It current. <laughs> Clearly pays off. Special teams is an important part of the game. Not for the Bucks in the second round taking Robert Wild like four or five years ago. <laughs> Patriots drafting that kid from URI and then ended up with Wasn't Nick it Folk. Marshall. I love Nick Folk. What wasn't it Marshall? Uh yes, he did. He transferred from URI to oh, Marshall. God, yeah, so yeah, I, just yeah. said, I just call him the URI kid because like what the fuck. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean biggest takeaway I had from this game. Well, I guess from the Titans side, I don't know if Ryan Tannehill's the guy going forward, but he has to be for them because of the amount of money they paid him. I know a lot of people are now rumoring or not rumoring, but saying, why don't they get Rodgers? He'd be great. AJ Brown, he'll revive Julio. They don't have the money to do that. I think if they get rid of Tannehill this year, it hits the cap for like 38.1 million or something. Mm. Great. He has like $90 million guaranteed of his deal. Um, in that four-year deal he recently signed. So he's I don't think he's the guy, but they gotta they gotta make a way or they gotta figure it out. I know the Titans had think about it, they had so many injuries this year and they figured out how to win those football games. Julio Jones was a factor in this game. Julio Jones, I think, had five or six catches. AJ Brown had five, I think five catches for 150 he had some big catches, yards. yeah. Yeah, Derrick Henry did look a step slower, but they started to get the run game going uh, in the third quarter there. I think what they had a, a drive when they had the Hilton interception at the 10 yard line. I think they ran like five plays. Foreman had that one really long run to get them to the 10 yard line. Yeah, Their run Foreman game was a really working. good game. Their run game was working. Their defense put up some huge stops. I mean, Tannehill threw an interception to start the game, held him to a field goal attempt there. There was a, another, or I think there was another interception at some point. Or no, it was a fumble. Was it a fumble? At some point, there was some sort yeah, of turnover. Yeah, did Mixon fumble? Was that? Mixon or Burrow fumbled. I think Bur- either Burrow was scrambling or Mixon was trying to yeah. bounce a play outside and fumbled. But there was, there was a few times. I mean, even that, that uh, Tannehill interception that got returned back, the Hilton interception that got returned back to about the 50 before Tannehill made that tackle. Still, the defense stopped him right there in that. Mm-hmm. The only touchdown that defense gave up was that opening drive of the second half. So Titans defense was there. I think really Tannehill lost them this game. Yeah. I don't think there's any way around. A guy had three interceptions, and especially at the end there. You I, I don't I know you don't want to play for overtime, but you can't be doing crap. You can't be thrown into triple coverage when you kind of have a chance basically to not lose the game there. And well, he lost. It wasn't necessarily that he threw into triple coverage. It was Hilton had very good coverage on their third receiver, Westbrook and Mine or whatever the hell his yeah. name is. Um, Nikita Westbrook, whatever it is. Um, and he didn't fight back to the ball, which is how that first interception happened. Julio just stood there and waited for the ball to come to him, which is why I don't think he's top 10 anymore. If this is Julio three years ago, he's sprinting back towards the ball and then cutting up field for another five, 10 yards. When you run a hitch or curl route, as soon as you take your step and you see that ball release, you take two steps back towards the ball to cut off DBs that are trying to swat it out or pick it off like they did twice. Um, Westbrook didn't step up and Julio didn't step up. So, yes, Tannehill threw three picks, but two of those I would blame on the receivers just standing there and waiting and not biting back to the football because that changes the catch point where they kept – like, it changes everything, you know? Like, 
I don't, we saw that. I, I, there's nothing more I can say about that. But that the, last one, though, you throw like there are three guys standing there, yeah. and you got it. You got to do better than that. And he like, had Julio open, and then his tight end underneath. Like yeah. he had two other guys open. You know, yeah. And then there was that one earlier too, where he overthrew it when it was still tied. He overthrew AJ Brown, who was wide open, wide, wide open. wide open at the end. Probably had a touchdown there for the lead. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, the, the thing is, I want to give the Bengals a lot of credit. I mean, they deserve it. We just talked about their special teams a little bit. Think about this. Joe Burrow only attempted, and granted, he had no time to throw. Nine sacks, <laughs> nine sacks, and you still won that football game. Your offense figured it out. Now, this is probably given some of the, uh, or the, the reasoning for this next stat I'm about to say, probably due to the fact that he was being pressured so much. I think he was pressured on 32.6% of his dropbacks, which – Seems a little bit low, honestly, for the amount of times he got sacked. Well, there was um, next gen stats put it out. He actually got pressured more in the Raiders game, week eighteen, really? than he oh, wow. did this, uh, than he did against the um, what's his, not the, yeah, the you Raiders mean the wild game. card game, the wild but, card game, yeah, in the wild card game, then he actually did mm-hmm. against the Titans. Well, so it's just because more of the pressures resulted in sacks and Jeffrey Simmons. Credits yeah. him. He's the next star defense. He's the next Aaron Donald. Not that he's ever going to play to that level, but he is unstoppable. He made no. so many plays. Agree, agree with that. But three passes, Joe Burrow only had three passes of 15 plus air yards and none of them and none of 20 plus that whole game. The Bengals had 242 yards after the catch. I think like 70 of them came on one Jamar Chase catch with inside their own 20. Yeah. Um, and he got tackled down there, but still, I mean, take that away. That's what 170, 170 yards after the catch. So the Bengals adjusted. I think I don't think that was the game plan they went in there with, and they adjusted. Joe Mixon was kind of nowhere to be found till the second half. Um, Uzama, Uzama kind of had a breakout game. I know he had that first touchdown against the Raiders, but he had it. He had some great catches, some very clutch catches to get some first downs and keep some drives alive. He's been so quiet all year, man. The amount of times I picked him up in DraftKings and he's been a bargain deal <laughs> yeah. and I've won money because of it is fantastic. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the, and the Bengals defense too. I mean, they, they proved that they could, they could hang, um, you know, a lot of creative blitzes. I mean, Brown, Brown, I guess, the stat line i have it here five 142 and one uh-huh. but obviously the three interceptions i know as you said some of them are on the receivers but the defense still has to make those plays 100 yes, uh and that's that's one the Bengals this game the Bengals adjusted they played uh old school playoff football game if you could say a very 49ers-esque football game and and they did what they needed to do to win mm-hmm. and speaking of the 49ers mm-hmm. they that, that game was yeah. Incredible. I know it was low scoring and super defensive, but anytime you see Aaron Rodgers losing the pre- playoffs, I have a tear roll down my eye out of joy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I watched this game. It started, and it's funny because you, you see the, so they were showing on Fox the blocked field goal and then the blocked punt, and they both look like two totally different games because one, it's, you can tell it's it almost looks like a regular like night in September, and then the next it's just snow everywhere. Snow everywhere, and yeah. no one can blame the weather on anything because pretty much after that first drive, the Packers' offense was non-existent. I blame it on the Mercedes Lewis fumble. I mean, you can't put it all in the Mercedes Lewis fumble, but no. 49ers did well. They doubled up Devontae Adams after. I think on that first drive alone, he had five catches, mm-hmm. five catches for about fifty or sixty yards. After that, I think his final stat line was nine for ninety. 
So he wasn't getting those big plays. They were doubling. I heard something along the lines of Aaron Rodgers targeted. I think he had 20. I, I just, all I know is he only had six targets to anybody not named Aaron Jones or Devontae Adams. If Devontae Adams was an open, it was a check down to Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones had nine catches for hundred and something yards. I know he had that one seventy yard catch that ended up leading to the blocked field goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jordan, I just want to say you are a big advocate for this. Special teams is important. Mm-hmm. Special teams is important. The 49ers had a blocked field goal. They, if they didn't block that punt, they probably don't win the game. I don't like Jimmy G, like they, their offense started to kind of figure it out at the end, but Jimmy G was still screwing up in certain ways. He threw that pick at the end of the first half. Um, the Packers defense was playing very well mm-hmm. up until that point. I mean, even I know they gave up the game winning field goal ultimately, but still it wasn't all on them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, special teams. I obviously, I mean, I don't think anyone else can question it. Won the 49ers this football game. Yeah. And I'm sure everyone's seen the meme by now, but the Packers had the worst special teams in the NFL. And then on the play where they needed the, their special teams to come through, they only had 10 guys on the field. So mm-hmm. So yeah. crazy, but um, yeah, come special teams is super important. We saw that um, I brought it up multiple times on the podcast, the 2010 chargers, number one offense, number one defense missed playoffs. Cause they had the worst special teams in the league. Um, and the pa- who knows if the Packers have a little bit better of a special teams, maybe they're in the NFC championship game and they're playing the Rams, you know, like, and that, but now it's the other way around. Like Rams are going to be at home for a chance to play the Super Bowl at home two weeks later. So, um, yeah, Aaron Rodgers just kind of looked lost in the second half. He did not look as confident as he had throughout the entire season. And, I, again, I, I broke it down in a podcast in one of my blogs um, that I put out last week in my NFL awards. Again, I don't have Rodgers winning MVP again this year. And I broke it down that he just does not play against good pass defenses. And when he does, he doesn't perform well. And we, and I know the 49ers don't have the best pass defense, but they have a very good pass rush and their secondary plays well together as a unit. And he struggled against that after that first drive, that first drive looked super easy for him. And then after that, he just looked lost. And I, that's not an MVP to me. Like Brady, like granted, he's still lost too. And he made a lot of mistakes in the first half but he adjusted and put his team in a position to win the ball game. Granted they didn't, but, and obviously MVP is not a playoff award. It's a regular season award, but that shows the difference between Brady and Rogers. Brady can put his team in a position to come back and make plays Rogers time and time again. We have not seen him do that on a consistent basis. Yeah. No, those guys are not on the same level. I will say, like I said, credit to the 49ers defense. The moment I knew that game was over, was when they threw the ball to Devontae Adams in double coverage when Alan Lazard was wide open. And that was what I go back to saying. Uh, six coverages, D'Amico Ryans. Uh, I think he earns a lot of credit this game. First year defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Uh, and also Debo Samuel, very underrated. I like what teams do now when they uh, put their best receiver in for a pump return. We'll talk about it in the Chiefs game. I think that was a big turning point in the game for the Chiefs uh, yeah. when they had Tyree Kill return that kick or that pump back. Uh, pretty much got him in a field goal range from the get-go 49ers did the same thing I know Debo's been returning puns for most of the year but uh, I thought that they was did a kickoff the- return he had that huge you're right either but way still, still it's having yeah. your best it led, to, it led, to, the, never it led to the first field goal it led to their first points of the game yeah so got them on the board so um yeah 
Uh, Rogers, what do you, what do you think? I mean, it's still too early to tell what's going to happen. I've heard, I know with Sean Payton retiring, I know that that's news now probably going to talk about on late hits, but I think that was the saints were a team that maybe he was rumored to. I know Pittsburgh has been a very popular team. Denver's still out there. Uh, Miami. I don't like, I don't know. I feel like everyone's an option at this point still. I feel if he doesn't go to Pittsburgh, he retires. I think he has really? a very good, yeah. I think he has a very good connection with Mike Tomlin. And I think Mike Tomlin wants him there. And I think that's a team could use someone like Rogers. They have a lot of young offensive talent. It's very similar uh, to green Bay where Najee is a very good pass catcher out of the backfield. Obviously they don't have a true number one receiver right now. It was Juju, but with Juju hurt and on, and now he's a free agent this next season. Yep. Who knows if they'll bring him back on another one-year deal or not. Claypool, obviously, is not mature enough to handle it. Deontay Johnson, awesome slot receiver. But, again, the drops, the, the drop was caught up to him late at the end of the season. So, maybe they draft a guy. Maybe they maybe Devontae goes to Pittsburgh with Aaron in the offseason. You know, Devontae would look great in black and gold, in my opinion, or black and yellow, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Um, I do think Devontae will go to the Raiders and rejoin with Derek Carr just because they do need receiver help. Um, but I, I think it's Aaron to, to Pittsburgh. And if he doesn't, I think he's done, you know, and I, I think we'll know within the next month what he's going to do. Definitely. Um, I just, I, I feel like Aaron is more concerned about, and again, this is just me being an asshole saying this. I think he's more concerned being politically incorrect and talking to the media and saying whatever he wants then rather than playing fucking football. Like, yes, shut up and dribble is a big thing. And I completely disagree with shut up and dribble. I think people should be able to go on a platform and say what they want to say. And Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show is awesome. And I absolutely love it, but there's, there's an arrogant side to Aaron Rodgers that has come through this off season and during the season that just has made his appearance worse and worse. And, and there are people who are praising him for opening up and just saying whatever the fuck he wants to say, which is great. Good for Aaron Rodgers that he can do that. But we, we saw there were points this season where his play just wasn't he, – he was talking a lot more this year than he was walking, if you know what I mean. Like, the year started off shitty for him. He threw two nasty picks and had a bad game against the Saints. Then the rest of the season he does great, and then he gets, he gets chucked out in the playoffs. Yes, two bad games doesn't mean that – oh, because he was talking shit doesn't mean that's why he had those two bad games. But – I think that hurts his legacy for his entire career and possibly could have hindered some other things. But again, that's just speculation. And that's a very small, what if, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I think he would fit in well with Pittsburgh because yes. those guys like to run their mouths as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, he fit in well. They're there. I don't want to say they're a trashy organization. Uh, they're not as bad as the Ravens or the bills clearly, <laughs> um, but he he'll run his mouth there too. And, and they'll probably like it. They'll get behind it. I think the biggest thing is he just changed so many times. He went from wanting to be traded. He went through all this, this vaccine stuff, uh, immunized stuff, and then basically turned it into, this is the most fun I've ever had playing football and then losing in the first round. So Packers have a lot of looking, I, I mean, a, a lot of Packers fans too. And Packers fans, I haven't really had too many interactions with any real Packers fans. Haven't been to Lambo yet, but they seem pretty realistic with the situation. A lot of them are ready for the rebuild. You're mm-hmm. in a division right, right now where if you rebuild or you trade him and get a, I don't want to say Andy Dalton, but an Andy Dalton light quarterback, 
you could still compete in this division because the Bears are getting a new coach. They have a second-year quarterback who's going to be in his first full year starting. Mm-hmm. The Vikings, who the heck knows what's going on there? I know they're in the, the search for a new coach. And the Lions are the Lions. So if Aaron Rodgers leaves, this is the NFC East of two years ago, I feel like. You have a lot of what-ifs. You probably have one team making the playoffs out of that division. Bold take, if Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay, Lions are winning the division next I knew you were going to say that. The second you said bold, the second you said bold. Lions are winning the NFC. I don't hate that take at all. I think the Bears and and Vikings are both better poised for it, but I don't hate that take. I guess we'll have to see how the offseason goes, how the draft goes. Yeah, but we, you and I can both agree, Lions are the best three-win team we've seen in NFL history, without a doubt. You know what? I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say they're the hottest three win team we've That's, seen because they did they did what the 49ers did they got on a roll at the end and everyone think because that's what happens sometimes sometimes your, your team gets on a roll sometimes you get the bye week and you lose all mojo whatever you had i mean the packers think about it, they haven't played a meaningful football game in weeks in yeah. weeks i don't know when the, i mean what that vikings game i think clinched them the one seed week 17 and even at that point they were up 28 nothing at half 35 nothing at half something ridiculous like that I think it was 24 but I could be wrong so it's there was no doubt they were going to get the one seed I know you said last week or last time that the one seed means nothing and I kind of gave you a little bit of crap I mean at the time I think it was it was well winded the last time both one seeds did not make the conference finals you want to take a guess at that their conference championship game I guess in I'm going to say like 2005. 2010. Uh, or 2010 season, 2011 playoffs. The Patriots, oh, yeah, Packers. The six seed against the and Steelers. then, yes, the Packers. The Packers beat the Falcons in the divisional round. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, that's that's pretty much all I got on the Packers. I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about Aaron Rodgers um, going Those forward. Roger rates, baby. Discount <laughs> double check. The Patrick Price. But I, uh, for a quarterback who I think people are speculating – might retire more bucks tom rams brady. tom brady um that was and, and this is my favorite part about this game before we actually get into the game itself everybody on twitter everybody oh brady you know 27 three i think you heard collinsworth and al michaels were like he's gonna tell them a story at halftime <laughs> about you know let me tell you a bedtime story about how it's down 28 three you know what's funny so they came back tom brady didn't really have much to do with that like I'm like, and I'm not knocking the guy. I love, I mean, I love Tom Brady. I think he's great. I was root, like I said, rooting for the Rams. I had them as my preseason pick to win the Super Bowl. I have them in my money bracket to win the Super Bowl. So I was rooting for the Rams. Wasn't going to be terribly upset if the, if the Bucks won. Tom Brady, the first touchdown they got was off a Cooper Cup fumble on the 40 yard, on the Rams 40 yard line, went right in and scored. His second touchdown was a bomb to Mike Evans. I'll give him credit there. I saw Jalen Ramsey in one-on-one coverage, no safety to help. Great throw. And then his third touchdown was off a Cam Akers fumble on a run that Leonard Fournette had. Tom Brady did not get them back in. Like, he did not. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I love the guy. He did not get them back in this game. The defense came to play until the the very last drive. The Rams literally just handed them the football the rams kept just being like here you go brady here you go do your thing and he didn't do it he didn't do it bob miller had a great game the injuries caught up for the bucks tristan Wirfs, huge huge miss for the bucks huge loss i mean bob miller that strip stack he was getting in there and donald was getting in there but like 
Brady did not make the comeback, people. Stafford at halftime was like, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, he did not. 28-3, he was the biggest part of that comeback. So was James White and a few other bounces. But he played well to get that comeback. The, the, The 2018 AFC Championship game against the Chiefs, he had some huge plays, huge throws. This time, the Rams just fumbled the fucking ball and were like, Tom, here you go. And the Rams defense kept stopping them. They kept stopping them. I know they had a few touchdowns, but two were off turnovers in their own zone. Yeah. That's my two cents. That's valid. No, that's valid. I bet Matt Stafford told him halftime, like, hey, can you guys play like Detroit on offense for a little bit and then give me some PTSD? And then I'll also actually finish the game. Everyone's so quick to get mad and say Matt Stafford sucks when he has a game with three picks. He was not the reason that the Rams almost blew this game. He was not the reason at all. That is the coaching. No, and I know Cam Akers was playing a great game. Sony Michelle is a great, uh, she's a great running back. He is a very good playoff running back who He's has a serviceable a running back experience. And after Cam Akers had that fumble, I know it was kind of a freak fumble at the end of the second, at the end of the first half. But that was at least a minimum of three points for the Rams there to make it a huge 23-3 lead. Would have been four probably positions. Been, yeah, or at least 20. It could have been, probably should have been 27-3 at half. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, I think – I don't want to say bench cam makers. He's a great running back. But at the end of the game there, Sony Michelle, man, he, I, I don't know if I've ever – I don't think I ever saw him fumble in New England. He definitely did. But at the end of the game, you got to get the veteran running back in there who's been playing for you all season – get down. I mean, Cam Akers have that fumble there. So, but for all you Matt Stafford doubters and haters out there, he won them this game and he was not the reason that they would have lost this game. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm really happy. He's finally getting a good playoff run and who knows 49ers are on another level. They, they took down the Packers who arguably were the best team in the NFL this year. Look, and it looks, I'm not going to say relatively easy, but it looked like, l- let's put it this way. I think they had a harder time coming back and beating the Rams than they did against the Packers. Like, yeah. Like, I, I, I think their the defense, 40- at least, their defense, yeah, defense. their offense looked way better against the Rams than yes, it did against the Packers. 100%. But also, I believe the Packers do have a very good defense. Um, yeah. But, oh, yeah. But again, the 49ers, I think, just have a lot of depth and talent that the Rams cannot account for. Like, you, you have George Kittle, who's a monster in the middle, they don't have a linebacker or safety who can cover him. Um, and then yeah, Ramsey can cover Debo, but Brandon Ayuk has emerged this playoff run. Like he was not that great this season, but he has come to life these past two games. And then Jawan Jennings, last time he played against the Rams, destroyed them. He hasn't done well these past two playoff games, but I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities. And I, I honestly could see the 49ers winning this game. I'll get more into that later, but um, I don't know. The the Rams this is a toss-up for those two. Rams are a good team. 49ers are a good team. It's going to be a divisional matchup in SoFi. Um, yeah. You know, but Jimmy G's been to the Super Bowl. Matt Stafford hasn't. Jimmy G knows how to win these, win these games, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and granted, Raheem Mostert, or Mostert, however you Mostert, fucking yeah. say his last name, tore it up last time they played in the, in the NFC Championship game. So we'll see. Yeah. No, Definitely. Other thing I want to throw out there in terms of sports, so I know they talked about it on the broadcast as well. This was the first time that all 11 of the Bucks' defensive starters played during the 2021 Together in season, the same time. game, and it showed that it was their first time because <laughs> that Cooper Cup had that 70-yard touchdown. There was a lot of miscommunication. They weren't stopping the Rams at all. 
and I think this is a big thing in sports. People for kind of neglect and forget to say, we see it with uh, the Brooklyn Nets last year, losing to the Milwaukee Bucks. I think what the big three of the Nets have played in 18 games together in the last yeah. two years. They've been together one, one plus years, one and a half years. And they don't win. I mean, they win when they're out there, but when it comes playoff time, it comes crunch time and you're playing another good playoff caliber team. It doesn't pay off. I know we've seen it with guys trying to come back from injury. I mean, Derek Henry back, Julio Jones back. It clearly something didn't click when you, you know, you even said it yourself. Some of those interceptions for Tannehill were on the receivers. Well, Julio hasn't been playing with him all year. Derek Henry hasn't been out there all year. So it's great when these guys come back, but remember what got you there. And I don't want to say, I mean, if you're a coach, you're going to start your best lineup out there. But I think teams got to start looking at what got us here and who is here that we can use. I think it's great that they had their all 11 of their starters back, but clearly it, it didn't work. I mean, wow. yes, they forced four fumbles. One of them was on the center, and I don't think it was a pretty lucky fumble. Um, but I don't know. Just want to throw that out there because I think we forget that a lot in sports when when guys come back from injuries and and we try to put something together in the playoffs and these guys haven't played together and it didn't. They don't have that it chemistry works. going into the going into the playoffs. Yeah. So, and then last but not least, Woo! Fuck the, the Bills. In my Fuck opinion, the, the best Bills. best game in NFL history. That's <sighs> what what game would you put above that? 2011 49ers Saints divisional game. Vernon Davis crying on the sideline at the end. I think that was a great game. That was. Um, and that I think was a better beginning of the game as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Minneapolis miracle again, I think there was four lead changes within the last two minutes as well. And a walk, I mean, one of the crazier touchdowns we will probably ever see in football and playoff football history. Um, 2018, uh, uh, AFC championship game. Everyone forgets about that game as well. took place right in Arrowhead. I think that, and that was, I mean, obviously my adrenaline was a little bit more higher being a Patriots fan there, but I think those four, I think we need some time for this to settle in before we can call it the best game of all time. Yeah. A lot of people were quick to say it. it was a great game. I top three or four for me. I think those other three I mentioned are up there as well. Um, I think we need some time for this to settle in because a lot of people have the recency bias and are we'll claim it the best game ever. That's fair. But great, a great game all around. I mean, especially yeah. the, the Bills lost. I mean, Stephon Diggs, he can go fuck himself after he told all those Patriots fans. The worst thing, worst thing about Bills fans, too. Just throwing it back real quick. Worst thing about Bills fans. You saw the dildo, right? Yes. You know what you didn't see? Three fans threw uh, beer cans at Kendrick Bourne. Are you kidding? Now, that, that happens in Boston. We're racist. We're terrible people. We're awful. We're a racist city. Bills Mafia, no one says a word. No one cares. No one gives a shit. But everyone's looking at the dildo, laughing at the dildo. No one wants to talk about the beer cans. And then they didn't show it on TV. I know they don't like to show those things on TV. But that's my last thing on the Bills, and that's why I'm happy that they lost. Okay, fair, fair. But I don't want to take away from this great game. It was a great game all around. No, it was. And I think, well, Josh Allen um, had a really high PFF grade in the two playoff games. He actually, for... Um, for the wild card and divisional game, his uh, PFF grade combined is the highest in playoff history in the record of PFF. I think he had a 95.8 PFF grade, which is absolutely bonkers. Also, shout out Trent Williams, highest PFF grade ever in a single season, a 98.2. Absolutely unreal that he had that kind of grade and record for him. Um, but 
this game overall, staying away from Trent Williams, um, which is absolutely wild from when you think about how it got started and how I just think how it was tight in the beginning and then yeah. it exploded out with offensive eruption in the second half. Like that's, that's why I think like, yes, there are games that can start off hot and then dip and then get hot again. I think a game like this where it's kind of mellow to begin with. And then it's as soon as the second half starts, that's when everything pops open. And then we get that huge finale that we had. That's what to me makes a great game that they made adjustments. They put players in the right position that they wanted to Gabriel Davis, shout out to him. He's going to be a future star in yeah. the NFL. I like the fact that they brought in Emmanuel Sanders this off season, I thought was a disservice to Gabriel because I thought he was ready to come in and be the number two wide receiver. And he's shown late in the year and in this playoff game, he can be the guy opposite Stefan Diggs and absolutely torch defenses. His route running is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, just a great game. Bills, uh, awesome season. Josh Allen has, I, I know we were talking shit about him a couple episodes ago, but late in the season, especially this playoff run, I believe he solidified himself as a top five quarterback, if not top three at the current moment. Um, but he, it's just unreal that the, there, there's been a lot of tweets. Again, we have, we still have to see, but this is reminding me a lot of Brady and Manning. This see, Mahomes, okay. Allen. And this is what I want to say, not just to you, but to every, everybody is saying that now. Mm-hmm. And this is what I want to say. I know I'm a, not a, Bills fan, obviously, clearly. I know I don't really root for the Chiefs too often. But wasn't it just a year ago we were talking about, oh, Mahomes and Lamar again? I mean, not even a year ago, week two, when the when the Ravens had that huge comeback against the Bill or against the Chiefs. Oh, what a game. What a great game. This is going to be the matchup for the next 10 years. Lamar is going to be the Ben Roethlisberger in that conversation. But but what I'm saying is, is, is we've said it about Josh Allen too. That guy, I mean. The Cam Newton comparison is real. He he cannot play like he played on Sunday for 17 games, 18 weeks. No. You cannot play that way. He's he's I'll agree. He is a top five quarterback right now, has proven that in the last few weeks. But I mean, we gotta still remember three, four weeks ago, he barely had a 50% completion percentage against the Jets and the Falcons. Really crappy defenses. Teams yeah. that the Jaguars. Should- the Jaguars blew him out. I mean, not blew him out, but they, they, he looked Sports lost fun. against them. So, and, and I mean, Mahomes has had his bad games. I think Mahomes has come back down to earth a little bit. I still think, and you can probably agree with me on this, Mahomes is still better than Josh Allen, just yeah, given his, I agree. his long run um, and what he's done. But we got to hold the horses on that a little bit because, like I said, Lamar's been rumored there. Justin Herbert, I mean, everyone mentions him. If we get another game like that this week between Burrow and Mahomes and the Bengals and the Chiefs, is that what everyone's going to be saying? I think it's going to be a good rivalry. I think, I mean, it's it's great. It adds to the adds fuel to the fire that this is the second time in two years that they played, and this one ended up being a lot closer than the last one. But yeah. we gotta, I think we gotta chill on the Brady Manning comparison so, right now. So the only reason I say it is because. Like earlier this year, the Bills blew the Chiefs out of the water. And granted, the Chiefs had a really rocky start to the season. Um, But I think it's because it's been back and forth more recently than it has been. Obviously, I think they've played, what, four or five games against each other. But every time they play against each other, they both have huge games. And I think that's more what it is rather than just a direct Manning to Brady comparison. I think it's these star players play their best games when they go against each other. And I think that's... 
that's yeah. the point being made where Lamar yeah. is like Ben Roethlisberger. He'll step up to the occasion against these two guys, but for whatever but reason, you can, you can he, make the same argument any other time. You can make the same argument for Josh Allen because I just said he played like shit against the Jets, Jaguars, yeah, exactly. and, and Falcons. Why isn't he the Ben Roethlisberger? But the thing is, he was a, he was an MVP candidate last year and had a good. He had really good moments this year. Yes, Lamar's Lamar, MVP, but since then, his first year barely played, and then the past two years hasn't even been close to the conversation. Well, I wouldn't argue that because I think not that obviously not this year with the injuries, but the year before, a lot of people said statistically he had somewhat of a better year. He won them a playoff game that year, at least got them into yeah. the division round with yeah. less weapons around him. I know they lost running backs; they had a lot more injuries after his uh, mm. year. So I don't know. That's I'm just fair. saying, that's valid. I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not saying you specifically. I'm just saying a lot of people got to hold their horses on the whole. This is going to be for the next decade because the way Josh Allen is taking hits, the way Josh Allen is getting, you know, running into contact. I know he, he yeah. injured a chiefs player. Like he's doing it now. He has a great arm. I think he's a better arm than Cam Newton ever did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is this going to sustain for the next 10 years, the way that he plays now? All, all I know is that, the AFC is going to be loaded in quarterbacks. The, the AFC next will be loaded. Yes. Between the, the chiefs, the Ravens, the bills, the chargers, chargers, even though they still haven't made the playoffs yet. Just going to say that they still not made the playoffs yet. Maybe the Patriots get into the mix. Uh, Steelers, if they get uh, Aaron Rodgers, Bengals, obviously where they are now. Um, it's going to I be mean, interesting. Derek Carr had his best season of his career. Like yeah. Derek yeah. Carr's in that conversation. Yeah. Um, if Trevor Lawrence can figure it out, he's in that conversation. Yeah. Like it's hey, Mac yeah. Jones. Like I know he's not the knows, yeah. team, but he had a great rookie season. I mean, he like, and that's the thing is everyone's saying, oh, the Patriots need to do this. The Patriots need to do that to, to catch up. Well, I've been listening with, with COVID. I've had the COVID fog. So I've just been listening to a lot of radio because can't, don't really want to do much else. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, a lot of people in Boston sports radio are saying, you know, the Patriots need this weapon. The Patriots need that weapon. I agree, but let's again in New England hold the horses a little bit because Mac Jones had a better rookie year than Josh Allen. Just gonna say that. Yeah. Like that that's not that's not a bold take. That's not anything he he did. He got them to the playoffs. Josh Allen did not. Josh Allen's first year, first full year as a starter, he got the Bills to the playoffs, lost in the divisional round to the I believe the Texans. Mm-hmm. Mac Jones did the same thing. His first full year as a starter, lost to the divisional round to the better Buffalo Bills. So there's that. Um, Remember when AB uh, was supposed to go to the Bills before he went to the Raiders? Yeah, I imagine if he was in. We probably Pats may have gotten digs if that happened too. Yeah, that would have been nuts. Chance that happened. Um, other kind of thing I want to talk to you about, and I after the Patriots beat the Bills, I just started to despise Sean McDermott. Did he lose them this game with not squibbing it? there at the end because i i think the bills and even josh allen on the sideline like i think they thought they had it with 13 seconds left yeah i i don't i don't want to say he lost in the game i i would say squibbing it there probably is the better decision but the chiefs also have byron pringle michael Hardman, and tyree kill back there ready to yeah, feel they didn't it. have hill they didn't have hill, they back didn't have hill but they still had those two and hill returned some kicks earlier so yeah. I think situationally it was the right decision to kick it out of the end zone with how bad your coverage team was playing throughout the entire game. Yeah. I think though, if they do like the, the big thing is if they do return it, say they take it to the, say it squibs. Cause it doesn't start till the guy. Yeah, one play. 
Exactly. You got one play. And if you get it to the 40, I mean, you need 20. Here's my thing too. And this is why the Buffalo Bills should hire me as their head coach so I can ruin their franchise. But this <laughs> one play, I think here, think of this. If you're the Bills on that first play, still go ahead, kick it through the end zone. Why don't you just hold everybody on that first play? Hold everybody, like wrap them up, tackle them, throw them to the ground. Because even if Mahomes takes it, sees that and chucks it away and takes what, four seconds? They gain five yards. They, at that point with nine seconds, only have one play. And because the the NFL, remember that happened a few years ago when they would hold people, it would be a five-yard penalty. So That's different. That is very different. No, I know, but that, well, that was at the end of a game, but I'm saying you hold everybody. Mahomes throws the ball away. The time still goes off the clock from the snap. The only, the only way it would be an issue is if you did it a second time, then it's a 15 yard penalty and time goes back on the clock. The NFL implemented that rule because that happened in that Ravens game a few years back. I know what you're thinking, the punt rule where they all held everybody. Yes. And the only other difference between the two is that the defense is rushing where in this case, you're asking the defense to hold offensive players. If one of them misses or one of them lets go, you have a guy running free and it's a touchdown. Yeah, Unless you go I'm three saying, high I'm and saying, three and you hold everyone. But I'm saying, I'm saying you got them at the line, you wrap them up and you tackle them. You, yeah, yeah. you pull on tackle them because at that point, Mahomes isn't going to run around in the pocket and wait for them to get back up and get open because the clock's going to run out. I mean, he yeah. could, um, but that not, that's just a strategy. I'm just saying because four seconds run off the clock, they only gain five yards. And then again, they have one play with nine seconds left. You can't maybe run two, but yeah. you can only run one. If you're going to, if you're going to run the play that you ran with Kelsey or the play that you ran with Tyreek, you have one play. Uh, the only the only thing I will say about that is that route runners are so good now, whereas the difference is on a pump block, like everyone's rushing straight and they're not taking like two or three jab steps before they release. Wide receivers are doing that. And if you try to lunge and grab one, you're extending yourself. So it's going to make it easier if you like if you just miss by a hair, they're yeah. going to blow by you, you know, like so it's in theory, way. it's a great idea. But again, I don't think it's ever been tried from the defensive side. So yeah. I think that. <laughs> who knows maybe fucking someone's listening to this will implement it and it'll work yeah. it'll be the new i'm strategy. just saying it's i'm just saying i mean i think he should it's a good idea i, I think like he should have swept it because who knows maybe it maybe a front man's picking it up and yes they're not taking it all the way back to the goal line or the five or the 10 they're taking it at the 20 or 25 mm-hmm. um and even if they do but even if that guy gets a few yards he's going to run a little bit slower it's going to take some time to tackle him well, that's probably five or six seconds you still only have one play yeah. Um, so Mahomes showing that 13 seconds is enough. Ladies, if you're listening out there, 13 seconds is enough. Yes, Tell that yes. to your boyfriend. Not uh, Zach Prescott. Other thing, rule change, I guess kind of last take, rule change in overtime. I just want to say to all the Chiefs fans out there that three years ago said, oh, Travis Kelsey was bitching about the rule. That's why he became very hated amongst New England Patriot fans. And now look at him catching the game-winning touchdown celebrating. I, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to say that they shouldn't change the rule because I don't think it's the best rule, but I think, and I will say Josh Allen handled it well in his press conference. He did say, you know, if it was the other way around, I think we would have scored, but those are the rules. I think he handled it very well where three years ago, Travis Kelsey bitched about it. And now look at it. It's, yeah. it's helping his team. Andy Reid and the chiefs proposed a rule after that Patriots game a few years back to literally say, you need to change this rule. And they said, no. And now look where they are. So yeah. what do you think? I mean, I guess I, I mean, 
I think they should change it, but I don't think it should be based off of this game specifically. I think both teams should get a chance to touch the ball, then make it sudden death. So maybe, you know, Chiefs get it, Bills get it. They both score touchdowns. But then if the Chiefs kick a field goal, they win. Because I think defense is still an important part of this game and your defense go out there and stop. So there's, I see for both sides because the data came out from the analytics department of the NFL in playoff games, because this, this is how we got to look at it from a playoff perspective. Teams that win the coin toss are 10 and one and seven of those games or 10 of those wins and seven of them, they've scored on the opening drive. So seven out of those 11 games, the other team didn't even get a chance to score. So I see from that perspective, here's the other side. You have 60 minutes to not tie the fucking game yeah, and score more points and put yourself in a position to not play in overtime. And out of yeah. since, since the rule was implemented in what, 2010. So there's how many playoff games are there? So there's four in the first round. Well, obviously not the past two years. There's two extra games. So yeah, I think there's the 11, there's 11 a year before oh. this year, before this oh, year. Okay. So 11 a year for not for what? Nine years. So that's 99 games plus how many this year? So 28, uh, no, plus 26, so 125. So, well, hold on, but, but now we're taking it from the, e- either way. It's 100, it would be 199 plus 14, or plus 13, plus 13 is. Plus 13, but then we got to take away three games, so plus 10. So 122 right. games have been played, and 11 of them have gone to overtime. That's, that's literally 9%. 9% of playoff games have gone to overtime. We don't need a fucking rule change. You need to play better in those 60 minutes and try to win yeah. the game. But no, yeah, I agree. Sucks. That's the rule in overtime. Defense, but yeah. Defense plays a factor. It's the same exact argument as when a team could just kick a field goal in overtime when the rules were older. Like, and a team yeah. that kicks a field goal wins. <laughs> and the other, it's literally the same argument. Like, I think it's better that you give, if your defense stops the other team, from scoring a touchdown that you get a chance. I love that. I think that's so much better. But I think once you're like, oh, well, now you got to give the other team a chance. You got to do this and this. I'm like, great. We're just going to have games that don't fucking end. Like, especially two hot offenses like that. Yeah. And the other thing too, based off of the stat that you just said, I actually saw the same, the same exact thing the other day. That's why I said 10 and one, I believe in regular season games, the team that wins the coin tosses won like 53% of games since. Yeah. The and the regular season is different, but then there's the point teams in playoffs are quote unquote real. Even though yeah. any given Sunday, every like in, in my opinion, like there's probably two or three teams that could smoke any team they play. But then after that, I think everyone's on the same playing ground, except maybe one or two yeah. other teams. And at that point in the regular season too, if you're getting to overtime, regardless of what your record is or the other team's record is, whatever your game is that Sunday, you're probably playing on very similar levels or someone's making more mistakes than the other team. Like a a significantly better team is making more mistakes than the significantly worse team. So at that point, I think regardless, by the time you get to overtime, you're playing a balanced team, throw the stats out the window, throw everything else out the window. You're, you're the same score. It's the end of 60 minutes and you're playing kind of for your lives at that point, regardless if it's playoffs or regular season. So anyone who too wants to say add a 15 minute quarter, uh, shut the fuck up. All they talk about is player safety. That's just going to like make everything way worse. No way that ever happens. I I love, (laughs) I love how a lot of people of a certain political spectrum are saying, 
oh, give them both a chance, let them both play. I'm like, you're literally describing communism right now. For All right, and with like- that, <laughs> let's put a pick for, uh, for championship week, Jordan. I have the Chiefs over the Bengals. I think the Bengals have had a great run <laughs> getting to this point. Uh, you know, no one expected them to be here. I know you and I had them at seven wins to start the season. Uh, I got the Chiefs over the Bengals. Uh, and then in the NFC, I'm going Rams. I've been saying Rams since you had them at six and 11. I've been saying Rams. I think they win at home. And I think the Rams become the first team ever to host the Super Bowl and the championship game. My my gut is telling me the Bengals are going to win in the AFC. That's what my gut says. But my bracket tells me otherwise. Chiefs make the Super Bowl. <laughs> yep. I I really think the 49ers are going to beat the Rams and it's going to be chiefs 49ers again. Again. Oh yeah. I I, I think people forget that was a rematch. Cause like it was right before COVID. It seems like it was like eight years ago now. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't hate that. Uh, but like I said, I've been rolling Rams day one. I think it's also very, very, very hard to beat a team three times in a season. Yeah. Like very hard. I don't know well, how I many. The, I thought the Rams won the first. No, yeah, that's right. The no, the four, the the McVay is Owen Owen six in the last three seasons against the 49ers. Yeah. So um yeah. No, I think it's I think both games are gonna be great games. I think the Bengals, I mean, I mean, and I'm not saying the Bengals beat the Chiefs earlier. Yes, that game was at home. Um, there was a lot more on that line. That was a division winning game for the Bengals, but I just think the Chiefs, we saw, I mean, that was vintage Tyreek. That was vintage Kelsey. We haven't seen that from them in, I know. in weeks in, together. Usually, like, there's been games where Tyreek goes off. There's been games where Kelsey goes off. And, like, this week it was, yeah. it was like, I mean, Tyreek had that 64-yard touchdown, and everyone's just like. Where he threw up the peace sign while Milano was in front of him. Yeah. You know what's funny is that probably should have been a taunting penalty. It should have been the way the way the refs are now. No, but what I'm saying is, is if that was a taunting penalty that happened at what the five yard line, ball goes back to the 20. The Chiefs maybe could have tried to run out the clock a little bit there. Yeah. Um, at the very least, get a field goal, still go to overtime. Um, but if that's why Tyreek threw up the peace sign, like maybe, maybe, maybe. I doubt it, but that'd be Uh, hilarious. Yeah, me too. No, I think these are going to be two really good games. I think the NFC game is going to be super, super close. I don't, I I think both games are going to be close. I could see a shootout in the AFC game, but I think the chiefs game, my pick is chiefs win. I'm going to say 35, 24. I think it's going to be tight for a while. They'll break away at the end. I'm going to say Rams win. 30, 37, 31 in OT. game. Add more to the OT controversy. Yes, sir. Yes. Will they sir. score in the first possession? No, I think their defense gets a huge stop. Do you think the Rams get the ball first and turn I think, it over? I, I th- no, I think the 49ers get the ball. Oh, yeah, first. 49ers. Sorry, sorry. Defense gets a huge stop. Von Miller's had a great playoffs. Von yeah. Miller has had a great playoffs. Very underrated, very underrated trade when it happened. Uh they because what they went 0-3 after they traded for him. Made Brady very uncomfortable on uh Von Miller against Brady, people forget. Denver, big, big reason why the Patriots lost to Denver uh, in twenty the 2015 AFC Championship game. Uh, yeah. Brady did not do that game either. Nope. So I'll go. Let's put it this way. If the Bengals win, I think the Bengals win the Super Bowl. I think. Okay. 
because Joe Burrow's played in a big game like that before. He's the number one overall pick. He's turned this franchise around. They they won four games last year, and they're in the AFC Championship. That yeah. doesn't happen by accident. Um, but I do have the Chiefs winning, so I think the Chiefs win like twenty eight to seventeen. I don't okay. think I, I think their defense plays how they played against the Bengals in the first half when they played them. Um, then for the 49ers Rams, I think that's going to be another low scoring game. I think that's, I think it's going to be like 17, 13, 49ers win that one. Okay. We go to the Super Bowl where it's for you, it's Chiefs Rams, which would be amazing because the last time, last time they played was the, um, that Monday night game, right? Yeah. Yeah. And everyone wanted that to be the Super Bowl and ended up being Patriots, uh, Patriots fans. Yeah. Um, but I will, again, we're, we'll record again before the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, so no need to go into it there, but I, uh, I, it's going to be really exciting either way. Yeah. No, I'm excited for this. I think we yeah. said it we, before week one, this was going to be one of the best NFL seasons ever. And I think it's, it's panning out to be that way. I think if the chiefs end up winning it, we're going to look back and be like, Oh yeah, it was just another year. The chiefs won. So I kind of hope they don't win for that reason. I hope the bank, uh, any of the other teams, cause it's either Matt Stafford wins the 49ers win with all the doubts about Jimmy Garoppolo or Joe Burrow turns around a poverty franchise and wins their first Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, but, it, but if the chiefs win, then Mahomes just adds to his legacy. That's and I just want to add to my legacy too, because in our <laughs> preseason, our midseason, I mean, our first ever episode, I said the the Milwaukee Bucks were going to win the championship. They did. Our mm-hmm. our midseason predictions, I said Suns are going to the finals. They did. And uh, what else did I have? I think I had. Uh, and then I had I had Rams winning it all. Baseball, I think baseball, I had a White Sox Dodgers World Series with the the Dodgers winning. Came semi-close. Dodgers were six wins shy. Uh, but you know, midseason had the Red Sox uh get into the American League Championship series. So I feel like, you know, I've been spot on with some picks. Uh others you're, you're currently ranked what third or fourth in our yeah, playoff in our bracket brackets. right now. In our brackets right now, I think I'm one of two or three people with my Super Bowl matchup left. I'll, I will say, if the Rams don't win, I'm pulling for the Bengals. I'm All I need to know is if the Chiefs win, I want to know if I win any money. Because right now my brack's busted. If they win the Super Bowl, you will win money. I will? Okay. Super Bowl is like the most points by far. Well, yeah, because so. it's 12. So, so cool. Um, Well, I guess in terms of NBA, we don't really have too much planned. So we were just going to run through who we think should be in the all-star game. Obviously guys are going to get replaced due to injury. I know like Kevin Durant will probably end up being a starter. Probably obviously won't end up playing. Who knows who else will get injured if Anthony Davis ends up getting in or or other guys um, who tend to get hurt. So we just went through, did our, our five starters, seven reserves on each of the two East and West. Um, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Uh, you can go first on this. All right. I'll go, let's go. E- I'll go East. You go East. I'll go West. You go West. How That's about that? fair. Uh, so East starters, I think this is what it's going to end up being anyways. And obviously there's a redraft, like they do the draft now to make it more interesting, but starters, I got Trey Young, DeMar DeRozan in the backcourt front court. I got KD, Kevin Durant, Giannis, Joel Embiid, no questions there. And then reserves, I got Jason Tatum. Think he's definitely going to make it one of the top scorers this year. Zach Levine having a great year for for the top seeded Bulls. 
Jared Allen, I think having a very underrated year. He's sixth in fan voting right now. He's definitely very deserving of a spot. James Harden, again, no surprises there. Averaging a double-double this year with 10 assists a game. Jimmy Butler, really no questions there. And then I got Darius Garland, who's had, I think, maybe very well could be most improved player of the year this year. Um, And I have, last but not least, my personal favorite player in the NBA right now, Jalen Brown. Uh, Jalen Brown, I don't know if he'll get in. I know he's had some injury troubles, but since he's returned in, in December, he's been one of the best players. I know at one point um, he was the, I think between January or December 13th and January 13th, he was the number one scorer in points per game um, in the NBA. So I think he's had a great year. Uh, I think he's second among shooting guards right now in the East in scoring. Um, so that's what I got. Jordan. Awesome. All right. So for mine in the East, I got Trey Young, naturally, DeMar DeRozan, mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, Giannis, and Embiid. I think you and uh, I are very same. different. Very different. Totally. Very different. Um, I also got Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Zach Levine, James Harden, LaMelo Ball, Jared Allen. Okay. I, I do have LaMelo. Yeah. Um, no, I, I like it. Bam out of bio. I know he hasn't played a whole lot of games, but when he's played, he's been awesome and he's completely. Yeah. I think the Heat's record when he plays, I think they only have like two or three losses. I think they've been awesome when he's been there. So I think that's deserving enough. Kyrie, just because it's Kyrie, I know he hasn't. Uh, I hope he doesn't get in. I Neither do I, but it, it's Kyrie. Um, Darius Garland. Pascal Siakam. How many players do you have on this list? Didn't we go five five starters and 12 reserves? No, it's, it's five starters and seven reserves. Oh, fuck me. God damn it. <laughs> it's 12 total. 12 total. You put, I was like, I swear I was you like, put 12 like, reserves. Jordan, Jordan, what's your, what's your offensive line look like? <laughs> uh, let me, I get, I need to pull up the text because I have receipts. I, I have think receipts. I, I did. I did send it to you. Oh, I, I fuck did. me. God damn it. I was going <laughs> to say, I know I, have co- I know I have COVID brain, but I didn't know if I fucked All right. up that. So I, I would go Tatum, Jimmy B, Levine, Harden, LaMelo, Jared Allen, and Darius Garland. Okay, so very similar to me. I think the only difference I had Jalen, you had Lamelo, which is no surprise there. We're gonna we're gonna stick by our guys. Jared Allen, though, just want to give him some credit. Uh, he is second in the Easter Conference among players who play at least, or sorry, second among Easter Conference centers who play at least thirty minutes in player efficiency rating behind the one and only Joel Embiid, mm-hmm. uh, averaging sixteen point three points per game. First among centers in the East in shooting percentage as well at 69.5%. Nice. Rounded up to 70, but I like to call it a a crisp 69.5%. So I think he's definitely deserving. Very deserving, though. I think the Nets, I know they they had to make that trade for him to get Harden, um, but he's a great young player. I think he's going to be good for a long time. I agree. Awesome uh western conference a little bit more shakeup so right now i just want to read off what the the uh all-star so they did their third fan voting so right now what the west all-star starters would look like if it was up to the fans which it probably end up will be looking like it might be that way uh steph curry and john morant would be starters in the uh front court or the back court i should say and then front court would be lbj nikola Jokic, uh and andrew wiggins don't know how I feel about that one. Paul George is second too, and he has not had a great year by any means without Kawhi. So that's where it stands amongst the fans. 
Um, for myself, a little bit similar, some differences though. I think John Curry, I think they got it right there with John Morant, Steph Curry, definitely very deserving. Steph Curry will probably end up being one of the captains. I feel like, and then I got Jokic, I got LeBron. He's, he's doing LeBron things again. And I got Rudy Gobert, uh, leads the league in, in shooting percentage, which he, I don't know if he's ever done before. One of the better defenders in the league, he's averaging a double, double. So I think he should be starting two centers, but I think be fun to watch, uh, to start the all-star game yeah, and then yeah. reserves. I got, uh, Donovan Mitchell having a great year, averaging almost 26 points a game. Chris Paul and Devin Booker both getting in as reserves for the, the top seeded best team in the NBA right now, Phoenix Suns. Luka Doncic uh, by Luka's standards, this might be a down year for him, but still I think having a great year. Uh, the West was hard. I'm going to tell you, the West was hard to do. Not a lot of guys like Anthony Davis, Carmelo Anthony, like I said, Paul George, not having great years, guys that you normally see in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also got Carl Anthony Towns. I think he's having a really good year for the Timberwolves there in the play play and tourney mix. Jonas Valanciunas is having a really, really great year. He's fourth in the league in reboundings right now. And he's shooting 52% from the field, 42% from three and 81% from the line. I know the 50, 40, 90 number comes up a lot for a lot of guys, but I think for a big man, especially a guy like him, that's super, a guy like him. And he's, and he's shooting. I mean, I watched a lot on uh, MLK day, the Celtics played the Pelicans and he was really the only player that showed up to play on that team. He's been showing up to play all season. So I think we should get him in the all-star game. I don't know if he will get in, but I think he's deserving of it. Mm -hmm. And then last but not least, I got DeJounte Murray from the Spurs. I know I have a lot of guards on this team, but he's uh, third in player efficiency rating amongst all Western Conference point guards behind, obviously, the two starters, John Morant and Steph Curry, averaging 19.3 points per game. And it, I know the Spurs probably aren't going to get into the playoff mix. They're they're kind of behind there, but he's the one young bright spot. So I think he's deserving of the Interesting. I like that. Yeah. So. How about yourself? All right. I'm going to go starters. Uh, Steph Curry, because he's incredible. Um you could argue John Morant, but you know, I uh, actually Devin Booker. I think he's actually not getting talked about enough for a possible MVP candidate. I don't hate that. But I don't hate that. Devin Booker, uh, LeBron, because he's having one of the best offensive seasons of his career. Defensive, that's another story. Um, Nikola Jokic and Rudy Gobert, and then for reserves, I have John Morant or Ja Jesus Morant, uh, Luka ja Doncic, Morant. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> CP3, Dame, Anthony Edwards, and Draymond Green. I, I, I've seen a lot of people who have Draymond in there. It wouldn't surprise me if he gets in there, especially since the uh, front court candidates aren't as strong right now. If, if LeBron can get in for his offense, then Draymond has to get in for his defense. Yeah. 100%. Dame, I don't know. Dame, I don't know. Fan vote might get him in, but he just hasn't played enough. So that's, I guess, kind of, I mean, you know me. I love Dame. I think he should be in, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But I like it. I think those are, are all viable. I think uh, I think we'll get a good mix in there between what we both said. So at, at this point in the season, not who you think it is right now, but who do you think at the end of the season will win MVP? I would have said Kevin Durant, but now he's out for six weeks and you know, they're not going to rush him back anytime soon. Even though the Eastern conference is tough. Those top six teams, I think are separated by two and a half games. The heat just overtook the bulls for the one seed. Uh, So nothing's going to be a cakewalk in the East. MVP. If he stays healthy the whole season, I could see John Morant winning it. And I know we've said that before. Uh, Defensively. I know he's been really good. 
since he's been back, the Grizzlies have been one of the best teams in the NBA. I mean, they jumped, they, they uh, skyrocketed. They're head of the jazz now for the three seed. I think Steph probably will end up winning it, but I think, I think John Morant, DeMar DeRozan, those two guys you seriously got to consider. Yeah, that's valid. That's valid. About you? If the season goes how it's been going, I think Jokic will repeat. Yeah, higher, highest player efficiency rating, I think. Yeah, but he also has the highest win share. I think he's got like yeah. an 8.6 win share. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. But if this player continues to get better and better like he has been since coming back, I'm going Embiid. I'm going to be a homer. Ben, Embiid has been amazing since coming back. He's had a – and this is weird to say because it's Joel Embiid and it's Philadelphia, but he's had a quietly – good season uh which usually it's a loud good season from him or a loud season with a lot of injuries he didn't any recent not recently but within the last two weeks since probably recorded drop 50 on the nets yeah um so he's been he's been really good lately too so um i think the celtics did they end up blowing 20 point lead no celtics are up right now 123 to 68 with two minutes left in the um i'm better off not watching we will be above 500 finally uh maybe maybe just maybe i don't know if we'll sneak back into that top six in the east but uh maybe get some ground on the plan tourney that would be fun yeah be fun. um awesome yeah that's that's all i really got on the nba i, I don't really have too much else i know i want to try to get watching more um i just it's just so tough. it's tough for me to watch and the celtics are so bad i watched that trailblazers game the other night they were up 100 to 89 with four minutes left and lost oh my god with no dame lillard so it's it's tough for me i know last year i was pretty into it but i think covid had a, a lot to do with that and a lot of nothing but uh i want to try to watch some more suns games i just can't stay up that late i am old no <laughs> i'm old i see that you know, you know, playoff time. I'm going to be rolling around for the Suns, and I don't. I don't want people to think I'm a bandwagon Suns fan. I've been following them. I, I watch their highlights on YouTube. Um, there's just not really much to say. They're they're a really good team right now. Yeah, so, literally one of the best seasons we've seen in in a while. I mean, 800 winning percentage is nothing nothing too shabby from them. No, definitely not. Um, awesome. Well, I know I said it at the beginning, but uh, last but not least, David Ortiz. The only member or the only new member of the Baseball Hall of Fame elected by the writers. I know we had the Veterans Committee back in December, but David Ortiz, first ballot Hall of Famer, 77 point something percent of the vote. Um, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, I believe, finished at 66 percent roughly each. Kurt Schilling dropped significantly last year. He was 11 votes shy. I believe he was at 73 or 74 percent. This year, 59% drop below Scott Rowland, guys of that nature. So um, any thoughts on the steroid guys not getting in, David Ortiz getting in? No, I, I think the steroid guys, I mean, we've had this conversation multiple times, yeah. but I think the steroid guys should get in just because there are guys in the Hall of Fame who have a steroid history. And I know we've, I know we've said that, yes, like, like the steroids weren't a thing, like they weren't looking for them back then, but now they are, and those guys knowingly, did take steroids when that was a rule, but I still think that like steroids or not, if you can do that, like, yes. Oh, it's what if, but I don't think it's anything dramatic. Like, do I think Barry Bonds would have broken the home record? Probably not, but he probably still would have hit over 600. Like, yeah, 
there's there's no way steroids helps you hit 100 more home runs if not more than that like it's yes it'll help and you'll get better hits off of it and you might get on a better run and feel more confident in your game but i don't think it impacts it to the point where you're going to hit 100 more home runs than someone else like you literally see power lifters like when they take steroids they lift maybe a cup like maybe 50 to 60 pounds more than the next guy like than the average joe like uh, to me it makes no sense yeah not definitely um I yeah no I think that it it sucks because I I, like I said in my mind I still think Hank Aaron is is the ultimate home run champ uh have the percentages here Barry Bonds 66 percent Roger Clemens 65.2 Kurt Schilling 58.6 uh it's fortunate for Kurt Schilling I I really wanted him to get in I think after he tweeted taking off the ballot last year that really didn't sit well because I think he was going to get in this year with Ortiz um Ortiz 77.9 so almost 78 percent of the vote so mm-hmm. it'll be Ortiz's ceremony I think it'll be great I'm going to try to get down to it uh, other positives was it just Ortiz just well there was the veterans committee guys so like Tony Oliva I forget some of those guys but from the writers uh just David Ortiz uh Barry Bonds was second with 66 percent I do I mean in a, on a positive note i guess guys like scott Rowland, who i think should be in the hall of fame jumped up to 65.2 or 63.2 percent todd helton who i think was in the 30s last year jumped up to 52 percent and billy wagner who i think is one of the better closers of all time i don't think closers and relievers really get enough credit i mean rivera's in goose gossage is in uh trevor hoffman there's not really like too many relief guys who are strictly relievers i know smoltz and accuracy are in but they were starters proportions of their career billy wagner up to 51 percent. so wow. next year i think carlos beltron is like probably the most notable name that gets added and then he has the whole um scandal with the the trash bins in houston hard to believe a guy who retired in 2017 is going to be on the ballot next year <laughs> that like that was five years ago now that's why um but not no one really too notable getting added to the ballot so I think we might see Scott Rowland maybe make a jump, get in. We might see nobody get in next year, but Scott Rowland, Todd Helton, Billy Wagner, guys who I think I've said on the show before, I think are Hall of Famers, um, make some significant jumps next year on people's ballots. And then who knows, maybe we'll get one or two more in. Um, also notable for you too, <coughs> as a Yankee fan, excuse me, uh, A-Rod, 34.3% on his first ballot. So we will see how that goes. That's I think terrible. this Bonds had 35% on his first and 10 years later we're at 66. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I think if Bonds and Clemens didn't get in though, I, I don't think that's, I don't think A-Rod's getting in. I don't think that paints a good picture for A-Rod. So. Well, maybe the narrative changes because you get some younger guys that are going to end up voting it on the next couple of years. Yeah, no, definitely true. I, I, I think that's good. I think that's a good point as well. Um, and then just quickly lockout talks, uh, players and player associate or, uh, Owners and Players Association have been meeting. Um, no deal today, obviously. We, that probably have been the first thing we talked about. But uh, MLB is offering to raise uh, veteran minimum or uh, league minimum to 615k. MLB Players Association wants 775k. Um, but there is going to be a uh, pre-arbitration bonus pool for the top 30 players in WAR. Um, I won't get into it now because we've been talking a lot of football, but basically what this means is the, the, the owners agreed to it. So if you're in the top 30 of war and you're in the first six years of your league in the MLB, you're going to get some nice money. Good. So they're making progress. They are making progress. I hope they get a deal done. I really hope we don't miss any games this year. Spring training probably will be delayed a little bit. 
Um, but I want to go on my trip to California and see all those stadiums. So they better not screw around for too long. Yeah. I don't know if you saw, but um, the MLB at the AAA level, they're going to start implementing robotic umpires. So wa- watching the Woo Sox <laughs> games is going to be very fun to see gonna everyone be, get yeah. mad. It's going to be different. It's going to be different. The last time, so the first Woo Sox game I went to, the manager on the other team actually got thrown out. That's the thing I'm going to miss. Like, are there going to be ejections? Like, that's that's part of sports is like, ah, oh, fuck, the refs screwed us. And the Red Sox, <laughs> Red Sox are a prime example of that. Laz Diaz calls a strike three on Jason Castro in game four of the ALCS, and it's 2-2 going in the extra innings. We don't give up seven runs that inning. So now I can only blame the umpires for the reason the Red Sox going to make it to the World Series in 2021. I think you're still going to need field umpires. But I think for yeah. balls and strikes, it's going to be robotic. I know. But I feel like most of, like, the toss-outs happen because of, like, strike zones. Yeah, that's so, true. I'm just I'm just ready for the next time a guy gets hit by a pitch and charges the mound. I mean, the base umpire will be there. But, like, it's so fun watching, like, the, like, the guy, everyone's the guy <laughs> run out and then the catcher, like, either, like, blocks him or behind him. Like, what's going to happen if the catcher and the uh, batter just start jawing at each other? Like, you think fat-ass Joe West from third base is going to be running in to break it up? I no. I think he's fucking done. After I think, this. no, he is done. But I'm just saying, I mean, what what guy is going to be running in? I mean, it's not it's not as fun. It's fun when the umpire gets in the way, and they just ignore him, ignore him. By the time the, the third base or first base umpire is going to get there, there's the, the benches are already going to be cleared. Yeah. That's valid. So, ro- robot ain't going to stop that. No. <laughs> um, cool. You got any late hits or trivia? Yeah, Sean Payton um, steps Sorry. down as the Saints head coach. Absolutely transformed that franchise. Um, he was talking about it in his press conference today. He'd actually – he was also applying for the Green Bay head coaching job when he got the really? Saints job. And when they made the call that they were going to take Mike McCarthy over him, he actually threw his phone and shattered it because he was so mad. And then a week later, the Saints picked him up, and the rest is history. Um, one of the winningest head coaches in that span from 06 to, to today. Um, had a very good winning record, even without Drew Brees, was over 500. I think he was something like 152 and 89 overall. That's very solid, especially for a franchise like the Saints that was not a dominant franchise as it is today. Um, it was very much the laughing stock of the NFL for a long time. Um, so to see him go and transform their franchise and now the two biggest faces for them, Drew Brees and Sean Payton, are gone. They'll definitely be in their uh, their ring of fame or whatever they want to call it. Um, but c- congrats to both of them on stellar careers. I don't know if Sean Payton will come back and ever coach again. I hope he does, but it won't be this year, most likely. Um, but the, both of them just transformed that Saints franchise, so good for them. Um, I did have some trivia, unless you have a late hit. No, I uh, can't really think of anything. I, I'm pretty sure I just got some trivia too. I, I got a fun trivia question for you because I, I was watching some fun. There, there's a guy I follow on YouTube. His name is Pylon Sports. He has about 20,000 subscribers. And his videos are usually like, who were the nine receivers drafted before this player? Or like in the case of Mark Andrews, who were the three tight ends drafted before Mark Andrews? And he does a great job breaking down their careers, what they did in college, how it's translated to the NFL. And it's really cool to see like the names of some guys that are taken before other players. Like the, the big one is uh, DK Metcalf and Nikhil Harry was obviously taken before him and Andy is about stuff. Like I know that sore spot for both you and me, uh, but he did a really interesting one that came out two weeks ago saying, who are the greatest NFL players to never score a touchdown? 
So he talks about running backs. So out of these four running backs, who had the most rushing yards without scoring a rushing touchdown in a season? I'll give you the names. Okay. Clark Gaines, Garrison Hurst, Joe Washington, or Marcel Ship. Joe Washington. I've never heard of a single one of these guys. You're going with Joe Washington? Yes. It was Joe Washington, 956 wow. yards in 1978, zero touchdowns. Fun fact, in the last game of the regular season, in the fourth quarter, he had a passing touchdown, a receiving touchdown, and a kick return touchdown. Three, those were his three touchdowns on the entire season came in the last game of the year, but not a rushing touchdown. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right. I got two trivia questions and obviously they're David Ortiz trivia questions. I couldn't go any other direction. this time <laughs> around. Uh, it's pretty obvious here. So first and foremost, uh, Jordan, as you know, as a Yankee fan, uh, the Red Sox came back from a three zero deficit in the 2004 American championship series. David Ortiz, ALCS MVP. Uh, game five, he had that walk off in the 12th inning. Johnny, I think it was, no, that one was, that was the 14th inning. Yep. Johnny Damon scored uh, the winning run, making it 3 2. In game four, uh, we obviously know about the Dave Roberts steal, um, extra innings that way. David Ortiz hit a walk off home run in the bottom of the 12th, uh, sending the Red Sox uh, to that game five where he yet hit another walk off. In that game four, though, he had a two-run home run off of Paul Quantrill. Two-run home run. Who was on first? Was it A, Johnny Damon, B, Manny Ramirez, C, Bill Miller, or D, Orlando Cabrera? I'm going to make a stupid joke, and I'm going to say who's on first. Yes. I, I hope you get that reference. I know. Uh, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> What's well, on second? Yeah. Um, go through the names one more time. I was thinking about my dumb joke. <laughs> Is it Johnny Damon, Manny Ramirez, Orlando Cabrera, or Bill Miller? Orlando Cabrera. It was Manny Ramirez. Really? Okay. Manny Ramirez led off the inning with the single, and then the next, uh, I think it was a 2-1 pitch. David Ortiz took it in the right field bullpen. I, I should have thought about that because Manny usually hits before Ortiz. So that was actually the last year. 04 was the last year, and then they won the World Series, and they decided to mix it up, and then it went through 04. Um, last David Ortiz question. Mm-hmm. I could go on and on. David Ortiz, obviously, wore number 34 at the Red Sox, retired in 2017, all-time great. I was actually at his number retirement ceremony. But before David Ortiz came over to the Red Sox uh, and he was recruited by Pedro Martinez, he played for the Minnesota Twins. What was David Ortiz's number with the Minnesota Twins? Was it 24, 27, 34, or 43? I'm going to go 43. Because you thought 34 backwards? Yeah. It was 27. Kind of a weird number. Don't I can't remember why he switched when he came over to the Red Sox. I don't know if that was just the number he he wanted. Um, but 34, actually, I know why, because he wanted 34 with the twins, but the great or late great Kirby Puckett Hall of Famer uh was retired at the time by the twins. So he had to settle for 27. Got it. That's what I figured. Normally when guys switch numbers, it's because the team they were originally with had a number that they weren't able to get. Yeah. So Awesome. 
uh, or the NFL just makes a rule that anyone can wear, uh, you know, a single digit number. So, yeah, I actually love that rule. It's, I think it's cool to see Jarek McKinnon wear number one has been super neat. Cause I think that like for a player like him, that fits perfectly. Yeah. Um, or like Ramsey five. I just Ramsey, Ramsey five is filthy. I love that. Yeah. And then he gets um, beat for 75 yard touchdown by, by Mike Evans. <laughs> can can um, I just say before we get off, yeah. Mike Evans has got to be the softest big receiver. I think I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, but I quick Hall of Famer. Yes, I, I, think, I think so. so. I think so too. With the amount of quarterbacks he did that thousand yard thing with, yeah, I mean, seven I think consecutive was, seasons of a thousand yards straight. Like I thought this was his eighth. Maybe it was his eighth this year. Yeah, Crazy. I think he's only twenty eight though. I don't know. I have to look. We have to see how many seasons Mike Evans has played. I thought that was his eighth, but I don't know. Might have I, he was like my fantasy guy for like four straight years. I just that's why I picked him this year because I was I ne- like, yeah. I never targeted him either. It was always just like ah, guess I'm going Mike Evans. But that was before Godwin too. So like having Mike Evans then was always like yeah, let's go. Like Mike Evans, like top receiver on the team. Like yeah, this is eighth year in a row he's done that. So he um he got it by a yard in 2017. He had a thousand and one last year. He had a thousand and six, and then this year a thousand thirty five. So yeah. The most he's ever had was two, 2018, uh, 1,524. But the past two years are both career high in touchdowns, 13 and 14, respectively, past two seasons. So hmm. well, that's what Brady does for you, man. Red zone threat. Like, just like David Ortiz on his way to a Hall of Fame career. Yes, sir. Awesome. Well, I don't got anything else. We'll be back in two weeks. Maybe we'll bring some guests on. Maybe we won't. Maybe we Maybe. will uh but yeah anything else you got no man i'm good send it out well thank you all for listening enjoy the championship games uh enjoy all-star reveal enjoy some basketball watch some hockey stay safe with covid hopefully numbers go down and fuck the bills